Hello, I'm Adam and welcome to Tales from the Potting Bench, a gardening podcast where you'll hear tales and stories from the most interesting and different people from the world of both indoor and outdoor gardening. This season is sponsored by the wonderful people at Plant Grow, producers of award-winning organic fertilisers made with zero chemicals, great for your garden and even greater for the planet. This episode features a conversation with gardener, horticulturalist and judge on Channel 4's Garden of the Year, Lachlan Ray. Lachlan tells me all about his training at the Royal Botanic Gardens Edinburgh and how his career progressed to television. Enjoy. So, for anyone that is not familiar with you right now, who are you and what do you do? I'm Lachlan Ray. I'm a professional gardener by trade. I've been since I left school working in horticulture. I grew up in southwest Scotland where I studied at the Barony College and subsequently the Royal Botanic Gardens Edinburgh and the Scottish Rural College. And I've been more or less maintaining country gardens around Britain since. Where did your horticultural passion start? Did that start at a young age or were you you relatively new to it? I guess I always had an appreciation for outdoors, nature and the likes, but um, I left school quite abruptly as a, a teenager and out of uh, force of my mother was was sent to the local land-based college to try and find something to do. So it was forestry, farming or horticulture and the, 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 the first two seemed a bit like hard work or uninteresting. <laughs> the college, however, had a, a really nice walled garden there which was under restoration um, in my time at the college for the year, the barony. Um, so I, I, I took to the walled garden. The, the academic classwork at the time still wasn't of great interest you know I was 17 years old at the time and had other ideas but th- this walled garden was fabulous so from there I took a couple of seasonal positions garden centres Christmas tree farms and uh, nurseries as well did a, a season as a groundsman and you know I, I, I got little bits of experience in different areas all very benign and mundane jobs in their own right but with those you know it, it captured my attention to the possibilities in which you know horticulture as an industry can offer did you have an idea when you went into that then obviously that was quite abrupt as you said but when you were going into that in terms of starting to train did you have an idea about what you wanted to do with your qualification as you before you even went into that no not particularly it was very much like I say just landed at the college doorstep and found something to, to do and just so happened to take to it which yeah. was which was lucky you know um, and from there you know after after a series of, of different jobs you know I, I said myself up as a self-employed gardener I got a little van and at this point my my partner now wife um had had our first child so we were quick moving that way as well still quite a young guy at the time and so I set myself up with a, a little gardens round and I spent three summer seasons or three years working a self-employed gardener it was then that I thought right okay I can make something serious about this yeah. There's, there's more to this than, than what I'm knowing. And it was simply going around, you know, it was cutting lawns, cutting hedges and things. But there was also, you know, a bit of border work involved and climbers, pruning, training, all this sort of thing. And I lacked the detail of knowledge. So I realised that there was there was merit in what I was doing. However, I wasn't quite good enough at it. So decided to re-enroll back into college. And it was then that I ended up at the Royal Botanics in Edinburgh doing a course called Horticulture with Plantsmanship, mm. which was run in conjunction with the, the Scottish Rural College. And I think, you know, getting up there and actually seeing the real thing going on, that's what really captured me to realise that, you know, there's there's a lot more to, to horticulture than, you know, simple going around mowing lawns and, and doing yeah, the hedges cool. and not encouraging that kind of work because, you know, I, I do it and I'm happy 
to do it and I enjoy it and I take pride. However, there's, you know, dealing with plants, knowing plants, knowing how to grow them, knowing how best to care for them. There's a lot of skill to that. So what year did you start your training? At the Royal Botanics in Edinburgh, I mm-hmm. think that was twenty thirteen perhaps. So it was um you know, and like I say, I've got a young family at the time and all the rest. We were living in Edinburgh, student loans not covering, you know, the, the <laughs> rent, let alone anything, all that kind of thing. You know, so it was a pretty tough time, but it was worth putting the effort in and and you know, pushing on with it because I you know, after a couple of years there, I ended up back in southwest Scotland where I grew up on a an estate called Ockendolly, which is a fantastic place, um, especially with children, private house with a, a, a lovely garden surrounding it and basically the remit of the job was obviously grounds maintenance cut flower production for the house when uh, the family were in residence potted plants a lovely big greenhouse we're growing fruit in there tomatoes whatever again to go up to the house so you know it was the real country house um, environment you know small scale Downton Abbey going on but it was lovely Absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, I think that was my first real opportunity as, you know, a, a, a properly trained gardener at that point to be to be getting on about it and doing things and confidently doing things that I knew were the best course of action. You know, and in, in, in these places, you've got to focus obviously on the short term quick wins of course. you know veg annuals things like that whatever but looking long term when there's well you've got five and six acres of uh, a three thousand acre landscape you know you, you've got to think long term trees planting longevity all these sorts of things and you know having that sort of sense of responsibility the the custodianship over this this small patch of land it was fantastic yeah so from that time leaping forward slightly a few years so in 2017, you won the Young Horticulturalist of the Year. What, how how was that, and how did that did that change your career direction, or did you kind of carry on along the same trajectory? Like, did how did that change things? So yeah, I won the the competition in 2017, which was fantastic. Um, I'd entered two years previous to that as well, um, whilst in in study at, um, in Edinburgh, but the yeah. It, it, present some fantastic opportunities. You know, for anyone that doesn't know, the, the Young Horticulturist of the Year competition is hosted annually by the Chartered Institute of Horticulture, who are, you know, do a lot of good things within our industry. So every year there's a competition set up, which is starts off on a regional basis. They, they then progress to, to sort of um, larger finals and then finally a grand final. Um, which is, is, you know, basically eight competitors from around Britain come in and it's a bit university challenge styled um, buzzers and all sorts. It can be quite heated, quite uh, exciting. Um, the questions are focused around all sorts as well, you know, so there's anything from horticultural science, plant identification, all the way to, you know, things about how much two-stroke oil would you mix in your petrol to, to fill your strimmer up, basically, you know, ratios. <laughs> Mathematics. I think that was actually one of the questions that won it for me, and it's because I'm out strimming long grass every other day at the time. So you know, again, it's 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 very broad spectrum. Um, and then finally, when I won the competition, that was in Shropshire. That I mean, that is that that was, must have been such a fantastic thing to have won. There is a really kind of standout quote from you from that time where you said I could quite happily see myself in the television gardening role so at that point did you think that your career would take that direction or did you or were you just hoping it would and then looking forward to garden of the year I suppose was that was that a direction that you were hoping it would take not necessarily you know I think the the picture has always been you know um being a very 
active and hard working gardener. There's certain yeah. elements of, of my work that, you know, I can resent at times, you know, the, yeah. the physical part of it, you know, and it's 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 of my own doing. So I'm always up for a project and always up for trying to develop something, you know, which usually ends up in the, the shoveling of many tons of, a, you know, whatever inert material <laughs> it might be. Um, and all the rest so you know there's a few aches and pains so I think I've always seen the, the the television option as well you know this is great because I can do gardening without really actually you know having to do the, the, the hard parts of it but um, I, I don't know you know it's something you get paid to talk about something you enjoy and share it with other people and what's not to like about that I guess so you know I was I was never something that I've personally actively pursued you know beyond making this quote that you've dug out from wherever it might have been <laughs> um, from past endeavours but do you remember uh, saying that well I was going to say I better watch my back and watch what I'm saying these days perhaps <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't something that I've actively pursued per se and you know in the end up actually the production company that we're responsible for for making um, Garden of the Year got in touch with me well two and a half three years ago perhaps now you know and I think it was it was around the time that everyone had been locked up for Covid first time round you know I think there was there was realisation that you know everyone's really enjoying gardening now this is this is this is a serious concern around the nation and you know so so they had identified the fact that you know gardening was was probably you know something that would get a response so they said would you be interested in doing something we're not entirely sure what yeah of course absolutely I'll, I'll give it a go see see how we get on such a good program i mean i think i, I said this to manage when i spoke to him but i think as obviously as a as a garden enthusiast i'm i'm going to have loved it but i think it is a program that could be really appreciated by by people that are not necessarily into gardening as well i just think there was an appreciation for these are just beautiful spaces created by beautiful private spaces which i think is really important to stress that these are kind of privately owned i just think it's such a plethora of different gardens and the fact that they they're all in the same country, effectively, we're all in all in the same place. Really, it just the breadth of planting and the breadth of all sorts of different design was just phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we visited some pretty spectacular places, and like like you say, the contrast was exceptional to see what people are doing around the country and, you know, people putting their own slants on things and their own interpretation on how they want their garden to be. It's quite humbling in a way. Um, yeah. And interesting because, you know, quietly, I shouldn't say too much in this, but we did meet a couple of the garden owners, you know, after after filming and whatnot. And you, you see what they're, after, you know, we've, we've, we've been around and, and filmed, you know, you see the, the passion that these people have about the places, you know, obviously to meet the finalists and talk to them in, on the day of filming that we, we spent sour head for the for the final episode you know yeah. these are extraordinary people and, and their motive is is for nothing more than having a wonderful space to live within you know which yeah. is yeah absolutely so yeah we, we went to some very very cool places and there's a few ideas that you know i think we've all the three of us brought home with us yeah. that we interpret back into our work or even in our own gardens so yeah amazing and what was it so for the winning episode i think we we i mean we're weeks weeks past now so there's we we can't go through this spoiler alert thing but for anyone that hasn't watched it then this is the time to turn off the podcast and come back in a little bit but for the winning 
garden, the Cheshire Garden. What was it about that garden for you that swayed it in particular? Yeah, I mean, a, a number of things. It's, you know, it was a showcase of, of what a garden can be. It was absolutely exceptional on, on many facets, you know, in terms of its its design, layout and use of the space. It was fantastic. You know, it'd been very nicely divided, but space is generally, generously used. I think, you know, the, the upkeep and the maintenance around the place was, was exceptional. It was absolutely immaculate everything about it not a thing out of place so you know in terms of the horticultural merits it was all there quite an important thing for for professional horticulturists to to have people who are willing to invest in their garden and, and you know look for getting the absolute best because it gives people within my industry and line of work and um, the opportunity to pursue what it is they can really do so you know to find to find oneself working in a garden like that's a real a real opportunity i think but you know looking looking beyond just the winning garden i think all well most of the gardens that were cast were were, were brilliant you know and each and every one of them had their own thing going on um their own merits you know the maintenance on on some was better than others etc you know design was maybe stronger in certain gardens um but as a showcase you know i think that's what the show did really well was just show off a suite of very very nice gardens and and some you know people aren't necessarily getting the opportunity to see there are some that are open through the national garden scheme great organization and i quite enjoy i've been to a couple recently going up to open gardens which you know obviously supports charity but it gives you the chance to meet up with other garden enthusiasts in your area as well and i went to one recently actually which is up by grange over sands U barrow house it's called very interesting garden but what it had were echiums growing everywhere for for people that you know are, are not necessarily too technical on their gardening thoughts or, or plants echiums are a, a canary island native you know you, you'll know what i'm talking about great big tall spiders yeah. they're always best seeded where they're going to grow um, yeah. you know and then moved around there anyway so this place you barrow house absolutely covered in these echiums and i mean it was like right. a weed around place got talking to the owner you know and he says oh i've got a few grown in pots take them away with you and that's the point of the story here is you know you go to these open gardens you meet like-minded gardening people yeah. and there you go you've got an opportunity you've got a few plants to go away with you're going to drop some off next time you go up that way and it's always a chance to get your hands on some new stuff without having to you know part with any cash because yeah. All of us that are growing plants at home generally find that you know you end up with a little bit too much of a particular thing that you're growing yeah. or whatever. So nice way to go. Definitely, I think it's such a fantastic scheme that I think is relatively not not unknown, but I think is not as known as it as it should be. So moving on from your training and what you've been up to until now, so what does what does the future look like for you? Are uh, what's your garden like? What are you doing? What are you doing at home? So um, we moved into. Our, our house we're living in, in in February this year. I got the keys in November, and you know I was I was in the process of leaving the estate that I'd been working on previously in pursuit of you know I just I, I, I sort of got to the point where I realised I had to work for myself. I think, and you know I, I was I was going to be master of my own destiny. So we we bought our own house and we've moved in here. And my, my first act as owner of the property was to roll a small excavator in, demolish a garage completely flat in the place um, <laughs> pull an old wall out and all the rest so raised a few eyebrows this was in the sort of run up to Christmas that we did this um, so I, I kind of got the, the worst of the groundworks done before I moved in so it yeah. did sit like a site for a while but you know I, I proceeded in building an enormous shed because you know it's the kind of thing that might come in useful put a small greenhouse up and uh, we've, we've put a bit of planting in so the place is absolutely full of bindweed which I've been battling with this summer so I, 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 you know I had a few 
few perennials lying about from old place that I'd lifted. Um, and I've got quite a nice collection of tender perennials, Plectranthus, Salvia. I'm a big Salvia grower. Um, yeah, me too. You know, I've got, yeah, I love them. They're fantastic. A previous estate that I worked on, Western Estate down in West Sussex. Mm. Um, we amassed about 30 varieties down there, you know, sort of oh, working wow. on like a stand. Like a stamp collection, you know. Um, oh, I just think really they're fantastic. Them. I think they're really underrated. I don't know if you've been to um, Wallaton Old Hall in Shropshire. Um, it's fantastic. Honestly, as a salvia lover, you'll you'll absolutely love it. I went on a garden tour there, but I mean, it's the garden itself is great. It is good, but just for the salvias alone, it's it's just brilliant. You'll love it. Well, I mean, I I think salvias are great addition yeah. to the garden. Now, obviously, they're a bit of a pain. A lot of them aren't fully hardy, and you know, there's a bit of work with them. But what it does is allows you to, you know, if you're having to lift these plants and store them over the winter months, it allows you to change and edit the garden quite regularly. Yeah, um, and that's like about having tender perennials, annuals with a backbone of herbaceous and grasses as well, a few shrubs. It allows you to to mix it up a bit. You know, you've not just got this sort of static. You know that. So that's what, you know, these prairie gardens that see with great big block planting just doesn't do it for me. It's no. too static. It's, you know, once it's in, then, you know, it's it's a bit bland. There's not enough change throughout the year, you know, whereas if you're lifting and dividing and moving things around, putting dahlias in, putting salvias in, plectranthus for later colours, you know, you can put on quite a long show in the borders. It gives you the chance to change things every year. You know, your garden's not a static entity at that point. And I don't like seeing gardens, and this is personal taste, but... But I don't really like these great big blocks or drifts of, of you know one type of perennial simply for the fact that you know when you see it at its best there's there's no denying it it's fantastic however there's a lot of time to get to that moment and chances are there's probably a lot of time afterwards yeah so my, my garden is one sort of main long border and a few pots knocking about here and there but basically the idea is to try and achieve colour from as early on or not even colour as such but interest some to look at something going yeah. on from as early on in the season until as late as you possibly can and I've done not badly this year with it being a new garden it's absolutely riddled with bindweed and I've been battling that I've had pretty good go I think the key with, with bindweed is to, to be quite vigorous in your cultivation and particularly bad infestations to try and break the back of it and from there on in just harass it harass it with a hole pull at it dig at it do whatever you can yeah. as well as plant densely so, you know, in, in that way, you're, you're creating the canopy. So if you can start early on, so I'm going to put a load of bulbs in just shortly. I've already got some snowdrop. I'll probably try and salvage a few more from elsewhere later on in the season once they're finished and get them in the green. But I'm going to put some, some crocus in and some psilocyberica, and that'll give me a really nice little early show. I've got a couple of hellebore out there which are, are nestled somewhere amongst a, a sea of all sorts at the moment. Um, So they'll complement that. I've got a little bit of brunera. And then I'll probably put a few small nice narcissist or something but nothing nothing too substantial i'm not a big a big fan of the dafts mm. um but what i'm going to do is put in a lot of allium and i think allium are a brilliant way to bridge the gap borders and i'm talking you know purple sensation here or, or something fairly common small-headed i'm not into the great big alliums on steroids um personally <laughs> but you know put them in in mass and what they do is they, they bridge the gap between your early bulbs and your hellebore or whatever else that you've got going on early and that sort of main flush of summer herbaceous they provide quite a nice sort of so basically on on mass they look good when they're looking good mm. once they're finished you can then choose to obviously value certain seed heads if they look nice where they're placed or just remove them yeah. in favor of 
your herbaceous that you've got coming up through and I'm talking things like Napitas, like Achilleas. Now obviously for people in the south these might be you know a bit earlier on some of these things yeah. Bit of up here in the north, you know, we, we, we've got quite a nice sort of time between, you know, the alliums having their moment finishing and then coming on to your main summer herbaceous. Something that I got this year was a plant called Thalictrum White Splendid, which I think is the the prize in my garden, to be honest mm, with you. Okay. Uh, absolutely brilliant thing. It was, um, I bought it at a little place called Ellenbank Nursery, which is the, the home of uh, Elizabeth McGregor, who's quite famous amongst the show gardens or the, the, the show nurseries. Yeah. So she was responsible for breeding a, a thing called an enemy wild swan, which is, you know, a highly decorated and celebrated plant for good reason. Fabulous little anemone that flowers for a long time. Lovely white petals with a blue back in them. Mm. A real real belter actually oh that sounds uh, nice. i bought this selection from her i also bought another one that she's bred recently called purple wings which is exceptionally good but the, the white for me the white splendid is, is an mm. absolutely brilliant thing did you say you're so, in lancaster you know, oh. yeah just not far from lancaster a little you know a little village about four miles from from lancaster um, are you am i right in thinking that 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 <laughs> can be quite a condensed season in terms of like it can be quite compact in terms of that you'll be oh, I mean, it's, later. It's, it's not drastic we are you know not miles and miles away from the coast if i was a little bit further inland it's quite a difficult place for getting late frosts yeah a real pain if you're you know a veg grower cut flowers annuals um, you know, if you're growing dahlias, things things that might suffer the affliction of cold tolerance, you can be really unfortunate in this part of the world. And it's the same in Scotland as well, obviously. Um, you can get caught out wherever you're gardening. But as in terms of the, the, the season being shorter as well, yeah, to a certain extent, you know, obviously the further you go in terms of, you know, your latitudes, you'll find that actually summertime you're at the advantage of you've got longer days. It's not hugely noticeable between here and London per se, um, but as you get further north in Scotland, so in the summertime, you know, you've got long growing days, which can be a, an advantage as well, uh, depending on your weather. So um, it's got its challenges. It's, it's a good area, though, to be honest with you, and there's a lot of nice gardens yeah. locally which are, are well worth a visit as well, and I can get around the country pretty easily being so close to the M6. So I like living here. Uh, I'm convinced that my, my family's going to grow up here and kids will nice. go through school the rest of it. Nice. Well, that sounds really, like you're really nice and settled there. I can't wait to see your, I mean, what you've just been describing about your garden. Uh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I, I don't show it off much because it's still a bit of a dump, to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you. Uh, I'm working on it, and, and what it's it's basically going to do is uh, be the, the my showpiece, I think. This this one border that I've got is going to be the showpiece to, to really show, and it's, it's, it's very small, but it'll show what you can achieve through planting over a, an entire season and yeah, being sure that there's interest there throughout the year in some form or another. So, and I think that, that's the thing about, about gardeners and, you know, you'll be the same where you you can find interest in gardens. Yeah. Whatever the, the weather is, whatever the season is, you know, you look hard enough, there's there's usually something to see. And that's that's what I love. I love visiting gardens and going and seeing different places, new ideas, new things. I think we can gain inspiration from, from like you say, from any garden, no matter how big or small it is. I think that's something that gardeners of whatever level or profession or, or whatever, I think that's, that is the amazing thing about gardening and horticulture isn't it yeah absolutely i mean I, I think something that we're still not doing well is getting people involved early enough you know yeah. and I, I mean both in terms of the the hobbyist the the, the home gardener the, yeah the you know somebody amateur 
basically just people who see the benefits in having horticulture in their life. But what's more, we're not seeing enough young people coming from school and actually pursuing the profession as a, a viable career choice. Yeah, It's such a varied industry to be working in. I would challenge anyone to go out and find another profession which encompasses so many difficult uh, disciplines. So I don't think there'll be another trade that will require such a balance of physical ability and technical knowledge yeah, than you know, a hands-on proper gardener. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we need to, as a, a society, see the, 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 the benefits that, that horticultural careers can offer school leavers and, and try and get young people interest because there's a lot to be interested in and there's a lot of fulfilment to be had. Well, thank you very much. I have now got three questions for you that I haven't I've purposely haven't prepared you for because I want an uh, a genuine kind of reaction so the first one is if you had to redesign your whole garden which you are with only one type of plant which would it be I would go towards sorbus I think sorbus mm. probably the most noteworthy garden and landscape tree going reason for that is they have a long period of interest They've got flowers, they've got berries, exceptional autumn colours, good structure and forms, tolerant of windy, exposed sites, you know, do well in crap soil. They're, you know, it's an all-round winner, basically, and there's interest in through so many different varieties. Good choice, good choice. Along a similar uh, line, if you could only ever garden using one tool ever again, what tool would it be and why? My hands. I always hands. like to answer. I use my hands for, you know, everything. Without a pair of hands in me, any tool is absolutely useless, basically. Right. So I think that, that would be, you know, a, a set of working hands. Uh, <laughs> a lot can be achieved. Yeah, definitely. I to- totally agree. And the final question. If you had to impart one piece of gardening wisdom on a new garden owner or a new gardener, what would it be? Make it how you want it to be. Have a garden that suits you. So don't give in to trends or fads or find what it is you like. And you're only going to get that through Instagram's obviously a great way. But visiting gardens, talking to other gardeners and, you know, basically immersing yourself in the world of horticulture. So don't jump in too quickly. You know, find what it is that you like and pursue that. You can find Lachlan on Instagram at LachlanRay underscore gardens, or you can find the link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, you may also enjoy the first episode of this season featuring another Garden of the Year judge, Manoj Malta. Join me next week where I'll have yet another fantastic guest from the world of horticulture. You can follow me on Instagram at View from the Potting Bench, or subscribe to my newsletter to find out who that might be earlier than everyone else. <laughs>